Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. What's going on, Rams fans? Back here again. So glad to be back in Richmond, Virginia. Did not enjoy the city of Philly, but maybe that's just me. I'm Adam Epstein here with Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. Let's start right there. What did you guys make of the trip to Philly for VCU at Temple? I had a fun time in the city of Philly. Um, got some good cheesesteaks. Had a good time in Fishtown, but uh, the game, not so much. And it was rainy. Kind of agree with Chris there. Uh, great time in Philly in terms of what we did. Saw some music Saturday night. Uh, ate a cheesesteak. Had some decent food. But uh Overall, the game, uh, it was a loss, and it was kind of a frustrating loss, so yeah, I give it about a C plus. So here's what I will say. I enjoyed my time in Philly. Did not enjoy my time around the Temple, Temple University. I, I thought I was expecting more. It's a city school, Chris. Yeah, it was surprising because we went to the great uh, pregame that the VCU alumni chapter hosted at a pizza place. Had a good time. There's some fans there. Tons of Temple fans there, and then no one went into the game, so... Honestly, it felt like a morgue for the majority of the first half. Even when Temple was kind of leap, it just it was, it was like you're at a funeral. It was kind of boring, and and I mean there were no students there. But overall, uh, it was fun to go to a road game, especially a place I'd never been to. My dad had been to in 2013, but uh, it's fun to go to a road game. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the best basketball experience by any now, means. No, Caleb, what did you make of the loss? Uh, what watching on TV, it was uh, slightly depressing. Uh, the crowd didn't look very engaged and uh, and looked sparse. But uh, on the court. Uh, a similar sentiment. It was a game that felt like we just could not get over the hump. We tied it up or would come within one or two points, and we just couldn't get that push to take the lead and, and hold on to it. And uh, as you saw down the stretch, we faltered and uh, lost by 10. Yeah, Connor, I mean, me and you talked after the game when we were hanging out in Philly. Offensively, was our best performance. Defense, it was our worst performance. Offensively, great. I mean, we shot 7 of 14 from three. Uh, shot 16 to 20 from the foul line, shot 25 to 51 from the floor. So put the ball in the hoop. Now we turned the ball over a little too much, 18 times. But the biggest problem for me is Temple had way too many open looks. Jump shots, three-pointers, layups. Too many. Yep, I'd agree. I said we lost that game on the defensive end. In fact, uh, Connor, we were talking right before we came in here, and if you look at the box score, and it was just a blind study, I would think that we would have won. You mentioned that the whole second half, I was sitting next to Chris up in the upper level, and I was, for, uh, compared to the stew, I actually could get service in there, kind of strange. But uh, I'm looking at the stats, and I'm like, you know, this is weird. The box score, we don't, we're down by like eight points right now, and our box score's pretty darn even. So uh, now early on, Temple was getting a lot of second chance opportunities. That kind of got cleaned up as the game went on. But overall, not a, a the box score's just kind of, Relatively even, but... Well, the uh, box score is not going to tell you the story of the game was that five-minute stretch in the second half where VCU was playing solid defense, and yet a whistle was blown every single time Temple shot the ball or got a rebound or a second-chance opportunity. And, Connor, you and I talked about this. You looked at the stats or you looked at the uh, figures for each team. 
It's not that they were bigger than us, taller than us. They played wider, played stronger, and they dominated down low. The the first half specifically, I felt like we got zero 50-50 balls. And yeah. that's that's in my eyes, that's you know, sometimes that's luck. Sometimes it just it's a little more heart, and that's what Temple was getting in the first half. The second half kinda evened out. We had a good stretch, especially in the first eight minutes where we were playing really intense, but we just could not get those fifty fifty balls. Yeah, I would say statistically speaking, they just had a slightly more efficient half and that made all the difference especially when we're just giving easy runs at the rim and wide-open threes. It kills you. And they let Khalif Battle go off. 40 minutes, 27 points, 4 of 10 from 3. So that was a huge difference. Couldn't stop him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was frustrating. Well, and, and what bothers me is when you have a, a two-headed guard system like that with Damian Dunn and Khalif Battle, I, f- I feel like we have the guys that can stop them with Ace, Nunn, and then Zeb coming mm-hmm. in right behind them. I feel like we match up with them great. And those three guys pride themselves on defense, so I felt like that was a lackluster performance from our perimeter defense. I don't know if it was. I blame the perimeter defense as much as I blame the switching was bad. The rotational defense was bad. It felt like any time they did one of those drive and, and kick and then swing it, there was somebody open in the corner, and most of the time it was battle, and he's got a sweet-looking jump shot, man. Yeah, he can hit it. Um, but, yeah, I, I do. I think that's incumbent on – those three guys to step up and and switch properly or if it's Jameer on the weak side or whoever it might be we have to protect the three-point line better and historically we've done that very well you're listening to the black and gold fan podcast I'm Adam Epstein here with Connor Bailey Caleb Jones and Chris Mason each week we each have our own individual segment and before we kick it off to the professor Chris Mason to give us a crowd review from our trip to Temple let's kick it around between uh, the three of us about the highlights of that trip Caleb you got it (laughs) well I I would I wasn't there what was your uh Oh, sorry. Yeah. How was the wedding? <laughs> That's what I meant to ask. The wedding was a great time. The venue down at Tredegar was sweet. Uh, but yeah, how was the venue in uh, in Philly? Um, like I said, Fishtown was great. Had a good time at the bar. Um, but the highlight trip, good to see Gab as usual. Yeah, I really liked our, our car ride up there mm-hmm. with Boogie driving us. We had a really good VCU basketball conversation. Got there at perfect timing to watch the second half of USA and grab a pizza there at Maxi's. Yeah, I had a good time in the back seat of the truck with Adam catching the beginning of the USA uh, Netherlands match. So that was good to see. We almost did like a podcast in the car though with our conversation. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, you know, rolling up, uh, it was kind of like you said. It was, the car uh, was fun. Got up to Philly in about four four twenty from Philly. Uh, way back was even quicker, but uh, it's good ride up. My dad just you know literally talking for for at least the first three straight hours. I mean, music basketball I'm, I'm like dude I, there's just too many topics to focus on but uh like, like you said the max's pizza was a good little pregame spot uh, uh front of the pod tracy katz set that up uh philadelphia alumni chapter leader uh for vcu uh alumni so uh but yeah it was a good time and uh philly was cool broad uh the other broad street i kind of wish uh my broad street bully shirt would have brought a little more luck in uh philadelphia broad street area but well, that's uh, what i was kind of yeah. saying is i i didn't enjoy the whole temple university campus but maybe that was just me uh it was a it was a father-son outing though because just like connor's dad was there my dad took a train up and and look we had a great time and uh you know it was kind of fun connor i had some good conversations with your dad i know you were talking with my dad gabrielle was talking with, with my dad and so it, it was a great trip the only thing was missing was a dub and with that being said let's hand it over to chris mason the crowd reviewer Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, Crowd Rating. 
So this trip to the Leacor Center and Temple put it all in perspective and made me appreciate the stew because I'm a harsh grader of the stew, but compared to that temple atmosphere, that that, that temple crowd was an F. Like, <laughs> not including the VCU fans who drove, drove up four hours in the rain to see their team far away. Like we had 40 people or so at the um, pregame, but there was no energy, no life. And after the VCU Temple game, Temple took on UMBC. I saw more Retrievers jerseys in the crowd for UMBC than I did Temple. So it's like they didn't show up for either game. Yeah, the school spirit's all gone. Connor's talking to me in the game about it. The American Conference instead of the A-10, since they left, um, they lost a lot of rivalries. Yeah, I mean, you know, our first year in the a ten, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Temple had a really good, really good home factor. Uh, I mean, fifth fifth most points all time, or fifth most wins all time in NCAA history. John Chaney, great coach. Fran Dumpy, great coach. And going to the American, it's just it's hard to get hype for a Tuesday night basketball game on ESPNU versus Tulsa or Tulane, even if there are decent opponents. It's just it, the the rivals that they had with St. Joseph's, uh, UMass, some of these traditional A ten teams, George Washington. It just it's not there anymore. And VCU is a quality opponent, but I, I don't know how hype a Saturday and Philly is when they're playing VCU, and I think that's part of the reason the crowd wasn't good. Yeah, and VCU's not a huge draw anymore, um, unfortunately. Did and, you try the food or the drinks in the arena? Oh, I did not. I had um, a drink, um, a beer, and in line we ran into Mike Rhodes' niece, which was fun. <laughs> she like kind of hid the lead, right, Connor, when yeah. we were in line? She, yeah, I, I, <laughs> she had a VCU shirt, and we were just – I asked her a question, but I was like, you agree, right? And then we started chatting, and uh, she was like uh, – I was yeah. like, she goes to St. Joe's, so I was like, why are you a VC fan? And she didn't answer right away, and she's like, oh, the coach is my uncle. But, <laughs> I was like, Mike's your uncle? Okay. And, you know, we know Mike's a PA guy, so it's not surprising, but yeah – I caught us off guard. So wow. that's an F for Leah Chorus, but um, <laughs> for A for the VC portion. Love it. And so uh, I also wanted to get a pizza review from you guys because Maxi's was the pregame setup. And, and Connor, Chris, you guys can explain how that was set up by the Philly chapter of VCU alums. But I skipped the pizza there because I knew there was going to be food in the arena and I was expecting something nice. It was square pizza. Ooh. terrible pizza, Caleb. It was dry. It was only cheese, no meats. And so I know you guys had the pizza at Maxi's. Give me a review. I think I rated it real time um, with your dad. And, <laughs> yeah, I think Definitely. I gave it a seven. And uh, it was pretty good. Northeast pizza, I'd say, is um, superior to Southern pizza, but um, it wasn't the best I ever had. So I w- you didn't miss much, Connor. Do you have something to chime in? Adam, your dad's definitely a big rating guy when it comes to food. <laughs> I, I learned that this weekend. Dude's, dude's asking. He's like, give me a this on whatever. But uh, the chicken, uh, so I, got, I did chicken parm pizza. Six, good. Chicken was kind of eh, but it, the, the flavor was pretty good. I just felt the chicken was kind of fine. The white pizza was about an eight. White pizza was good. The white pizza perfect. smelled good when you got it. Was it. That's what perfect. I got, it was yeah. one of those things I, you know, rode up the whole morning. You know, hadn't gotten a whole whole lot of sleep and whatnot. And my dad drove. You know, the first two hours and forty five minutes, I drove the the rest majority of the rest of the way in. So, um, you know, kind of my nerves are kind of bumping just from driving and being on the road. And that white pizza definitely made it feel good. Miller Lite and Yingling didn't make it feel bad either, too. So I can't complain. So Maxie's or locally here for VCU students, Christians. Who are you going with? Ooh, I'm not a fan of Christians. I think it's really bad. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, they might be a sponsor one day. So I'll cut that out. Um, no, you're good. I'd, I'd still probably go Christians. I do like Christians. I don't think it's the best pizza by any means, but I thought Christians was probably a little better. Are you a Christians guy, Caleb? It's okay. I've only had it once or twice. No, come G- on. No. G- give me eight and a half or any of those any day of the week. <laughs> Um, what about Belmont's, right? That's the good I'd, one. I'd rock Belmont. Uh, Ariana's is one of my favorites in Richmond. Right? Yeah. 
All right, let's go to Caleb the Stat Monster to break down the box score. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster. So the update on the post-Temple game for the three main stats that we want to watch, uh, the first one being less than 12 turnovers a game. We had 18 turnovers, which I found to be pretty disappointing mainly for the fact that Temple didn't really even pressure us. They didn't pick us up until at least half court. Um, I felt like a lot of our turnovers were self-inflicted. Yeah. The, the one turnover that comes to mind, and I feel like this was just a microcosm of the game, was Toby Lawal got picked up off the bench, Rhodes told him to go in, and Ace turns and just chucks out of bounds like he's in, in the game. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's, that's the type of turnover we, we keep having that's just killing us. Um, so we need to limit those. Um, I felt like we turned the ball over a lot when we tried, tried to feed the post. Yeah. And that's been a recurring theme, um, which is not good. Uh, like I said, their, their defense hasn't really caused a lot of turnovers this year. They had 11 in their previous game versus LaSalle nine versus Drexel. Like those aren't crazy powerhouse offenses. So um, turning it 18 times, turning it over 18 times against them is something that, you know, we really need to work on and Rhodes keeps harping on it. So I look forward to that day when we, when we, when we settle down, uh, our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency is 40, uh, hanging around in the, in the 30 to 40 range, which is good. Our, our, our defense is solid. Although I feel like it did let us down against temple of, as we already discussed a bit. Um, the third thing, how many fouls Jalen Deloach has per 40 and he had four fouls versus Temple um but some other interesting stats from from that game John's John Brandon Johns Jr. and Deloach combined for nine fouls and eight turnovers Brandon Johns had five fouls and five turnovers um so between those guys the the output that we're getting is minimal and and something we need to see a lot more of I do know that Deloach had 16 points from the floor uh, on six of 10 shooting, and then uh, he actually shot the he, he hit four of six from the free throw line. Um, but I feel like all of those passes were easy dump down layups and finishes. He's when he's getting the ball in the post, like you said, he, he's just kind of turning the ball over, and he's not a real threat on his own. And go ahead. No, I, I would like him to get the ball in the post and for once pass it back out. Yeah, and I and mean, and reestablish position, yeah, and maybe you get it back. And repost, right? And, and but how many times does he get it, and he shoots a fadeaway with a guy in his face, or it's off his feet out of bounds? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree on what you said about Deloach. How you know he hits sixteen points. I felt like a lot of them were kind of mop up dunks or layups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, no, no, and and yeah. I feel like what was interesting is we saw Toby come off the bench really quick. I don't know exactly what minute he came in. I think it might have been three minutes into the game. Agree, yeah, and. Everyone's plus minus. Uh, guess who had the highest plus minus in that game? Toby Lawal. Toby Lawal. It's 13. The next closest person was three. I think Coach Rhodes is realizing he's not getting what he expected from his two big men in the front court. And that in- kind of includes and, Jameer Watkins yeah. because although he looked good, he's not banging around with the yeah. big men. And so Coach Rhodes is saying, if you're not bringing it, the next guy off the bench yep. will. And, and see, that's what I'm getting at. The production. And Brandon Johns has been good for the most part. Um but yeah, I mean, he had six points. Three of those came on a three-pointer. We we need to be more of a threat in the post to open up the the rest of the floor. 
And it doesn't. You don't have to score every time. You can post and kick it. We just need positive touches in the paint, and we're not getting them right now. There needs to be a threat down low. It's like in, in football, if you know, if you can't run the ball, you know, there's you know, you can pass all day, but there's a limit. You know, at least have a decoy. Yeah. If you have a guy, big man well, down low. Say he gets a bucket early in the game, you get down later, kick right back out for a three. You need to have some kind of presence down low. Mo Mo Alley Cox really developed a knack for passing out of the post, and he wasn't really a back to the basket player. No, he wasn't that often. So, I mean, if one of those guys can develop that that type of, you know, outlook or, or, or attack the defense that way, I think it'll really help. And then also talk, touching on plus minus, Deloach was minus 18, Shriver minus 17. And in terms of fast or half-court offense, like, that's not VCU's strength, like, any time. So they're still not right. getting easy steals, easy fast breaks. Right. It's like they're not going to ever be a great half-court team. So, so you have to... I, I'm glad you bring that up um, because one thing I wanted to point out was a metric called points per possession. Points per possession. Uh, we are point nine one six, which is 301st in the country, which is very mediocre. A mediocre team averages a little over one. Yeah point per possession we're at 0.916 so there's either three things we can do to make the the offense more efficient that's easy transition buckets off of off of defense getting steals like we're used to havoc style play uh two is take and make more three-pointers which when you look at the box score we had 14 threes attempted we made seven we shot 50 percent from three why are we not taking more yeah, and what frustrated me most was we wasted a performance from Ace Baldwin and Jaden Nunn where they combined for 30 points. They probably had like 25 at the half, and yet we just got nothing from the guys down low. Jalen Deloach did get hit in the face, came back with some intensity, some, mm-hmm. you know, um, he was like pumped up there, and he got some good garbage time buckets. Yeah. But it's just one of those things there where you're getting the production from the guards. Like I, 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 You can hear me on the halftime show as well as pregame show for Rams Unlimited with Robbie and Rodney, and I just was saying, you're getting exactly what you want from Baldwin Jr. and from Nunn. Got to get more from the front court, and right. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they have to figure it out and fast because once those guys click, I think we can be a good team. And with that being said, we've got an important stretch of five home non-conference games leading up to Christmas. Connor... Why is this so important? So you look at our current record, uh, five and three, all against Division One opponents and whatnot. Uh, we've played our non-con games that ha- were going to help us get into the tournament. So th- those are done. We 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 don't the next five games. I'm not saying we we, we don't play potentially good teams. Jacksonville's a decent team. Uh, Navy's our last game out of these next five. They beat UVA on the road last year. We we can play some decent teams. None of these five games are going to put us in the tournament. So. It's just important to get get guys. Someone like Banks Banks has played well lately. Get him kind of rolling. But the biggest thing is getting some kind of momentum before A10 play. Uh, you know, say you win their next five. I'm not saying win all five by 18 to 20 points. Some games there might be kind of a dogfight. Give us one where we win by 24 and we're up 17 at the half, just to kind of, you know, maybe not maybe get some sleep at night. But it's just getting some more rotations done. None of these five games we're we're going to be favoring all five of them. And we just need to get better because then it's Christmas break. Guys go home for a couple days, kind of regroup, refresh with their family. And then it's A-10 play starting on New Year's Eve. So these five games are so important. And there will be one player who's left out of the rotation by the way they play over these next five games. When A-10 conference play comes around, Coach Rhodes is not messing around. I agree. And that's why it's that's why it's so important. Is, is, is someone like Kern, does Kern all of a sudden start get 20 minutes a game? Or does he get eight minutes a game come A-10? These five games are huge. Yeah. 
Who do you think it's most important for? I would put David Shriver probably number one. Yeah, I think he's kind of at a precipice where, I mean, he could either, if he doesn't start shooting better, which we really need from him, he, I mean, his his plus minus last game was minus 17. Right. Like, I mean, it's it's just a, he's, he's not giving us that spark off the bench, then what is he doing? Right, and, and it's, look, what happened to Marcus Tahonis last year, yeah. right? He was playing a lot, and then at the end of the season, couldn't get in a game, yeah. couldn't sniff a lot. I think up. he can do it. You know, I got hope. I'm not giving up on anybody, no. but there are some people that these next five games are crucial for them. These are huge games for Shriver. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, if he if he can't do what he kind of came here to do, come A-10 play. I don't care if you're playing a team like LaSalle the first game who's not great. Coaching staff may, may want to look somewhere else, look at a guy like Banks or, or Kern, you know? I think I, this. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say Zev's my guy because he mm-hmm. only played five minutes, so that's kind of surprising. Yeah, I think that was surprising. Why did you think my, so? My, well, no, I was just saying. Or I think my with Zeb, I think he has to play out of necessity because of his ball handling to give to spell either Jaden Nunn or Ace. Yeah. Ball. So what did they do though last game? If he only played five minutes, was that just Ace barely came out? He played yeah. thirty-eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and none at thirty-five. So it's like those the guards played the whole game basically. Yeah. Zeb made the cardinal rule of saving. I don't know if one of y'all mentioned it earlier, but he saved a a loose ball going out of bounds yeah. in front of your own basket. And it was I think we were right in, in the midst of a run in the first half, yeah. and yeah. that happened. It was like a big, huge four point swing. Yep. And I feel like the a possession later he got taken out. Not saying that was the only reason he got taken out, but that no, was a huge play in the time. I remember that now. That's why he didn't play more. That <laughs> exact play because like you said, that's the cardinal sin rule. It's a like, no no. You just don't do that. If you're gonna do it, you chuck it deep. All right, you yeah. don't throw right. it under or your own. Just eat the ball basket. if you have to. Yeah, man. And you gave away two points, and like Connor said, it was in the midst of a run. I think these next five games are going to be important for Christian Furman and Toby Lawall. We've just been talking about it all game. The starting front court's not doing good enough. So if you're on the bench, you're thinking, you're licking your chops thinking, hey, these next five games against teams like Howard, Jacksonville, Radford, I could eat up some points here and really earn some minutes. And also Fats didn't play at all. So yeah. um, that would be good if he got in the rotation at least through these five games going that, into that, 18. That's like my pipe dream right now is if we can play well enough we're you know we're cruising to victories over teams we should beat and and the fats and and Furman and those guys start playing more because I think Furman's going to be necessary going into the A10 because of his size. Toby's a little a little light. Obviously, he can jump out of the gym, but uh, we need Christian Furman's size. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein. You can hear me 12 to 3 on the New Sports Radio 910 The Fan Monday through Friday. Here with Caleb Jones. Longtime season ticket holder for the Rams, Connor Bailey, the same, and Chris Mason, a uh, what would you call it? A villain, grew up Villanova fan, converted to the Rams. Correct. Yes. You're, you're a convert. You're a convert. <laughs> yeah, I used to be a Power Five snob. Now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to hand it off to Connor Bailey for this week in VCU history. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. December 5th, 2013. So but by the time of this recording of a podcast, just about nine years ago. It's also happened to be the same day of me taking my business statistics one final exam for the fall semester of my junior year. Mm. And uh, I know not all, not all universities operate the same way, but at VCU, if you had a night class, your final exam was always – if you had a Tuesday night class, it would be 7 to 9.40, that kind of thing. But if you had a regular time uh, day class, they would kind of break it up over the span of seven school days, and you'd either have the 8 to 10 – I think it was like 8 a.m. to 10.50 slot or the 1 to 3.50 slot. So 
on 12-5-13, we hosted East, the Eastern Kentucky Colonels at home. Mm. Uh, kind of a nondescript game, mainly for the fact that it was Eastern Kentucky, not a, kind of a surprising team. But I had my f- final for my business statistics, business statistics one. Uh, I got a C in that class. I'm pretty sure our boy Murph got a B, but that's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, took my exam and I passed. And I, you know, I was done by like two, two thirty. Went home, took a nap, and I either set my alarm for five thirty a.m. when it should have been p.m. <laughs> or I set up for five thirty p.m. and it was on silent. Regardless, VCU has a seven o'clock tip, like all you know, like most games. And I didn't pull an all-nighter the night beforehand, but I definitely – it was one of those, like, three-hour night sleeps, you know. I, I didn't even drink coffee in college, but drank coffee in the morning, that kind of thing. And I woke up from my nap. It's one of those naps where, like, you have the prints on your face, you know. You're like, dude, what year is it? And it says 648 on my phone. <laughs> and, I, and I'm living in Oregon Hill with Adam and and, and another friend of ours, Kevin Minetti. And I'm it's 648. And I'm like, I got to get to the arena. Because, I mean, keep in mind, you know, at this point, my streak of straight games is 52. It got to 166, mind you. So that was 2010 to 2020. This is 2013. This is about to be number 53. And it's 648, and I'm like, I can't drive there because uh, parking's going to be a pain in the butt Thursday night, post-work, sequel center. So I book it all the way to the stew from Oregon Hill, and that's you know maybe a mile. But keep in mind, it rained that day, and my Nikes got drenched. So I threw Sperry's, some jeans, and a jacket on, and I'm booking it through campus. I'm talking, I mean, I'm... And I was a little, I was a little heavier than I am now at this point in time. So I was a little winded about halfway through, man. But I'm just booking it through campus. Cool thing is I make it on time. Eastern Kentucky of all teams, we, we went to overtime in that game. We won 71 to 68. A little fun fact. Do you know who coached that team, Caleb? Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Any hints? I, I don't know. If uh, he coached Fordham eventually. Oh, uh, Newbauer. Yeah, it was Jeff Newbauer. He left either the next year or the year after that. But um, we went to overtime. Won 71 to 68. They ended up being a 15 seed. They won their conference that year. They lost to Kansas in the tournament. Uh, bad basketball game. We shot an 8 of 17 from the foul line that night. Uh, Briante Weber had a cool five turnovers that night. I mean, just a, not a great game. But it was just a memorable game for me because I almost missed it. And that's a streak. That streak almost got missed because of my business statistics exam. So just kind of memory. I, I mean, I, when I woke up from that nap, I had like eight people text me, where are you, where are you? Because you know, I'm usually either working in the media with Adam at the time or I was in the in the student section. So kind of an off-the-wall game, not a not the most memorable game possible, but the fact that I had to sprint through campus in Sperry's and jeans is just something that's memorable to me. So with that said, can you name that starting five? Oh, I want to get in on this one because they I got this. this right? I got oh, it. you think you got this? All right, all right. You know well, let's we'll, all go through we'll, it. Go, go around the room and I'll wait to the oh, actually, wait, no, no, We let should let Caleb, Caleb go yeah. first because it's his bit. No, okay. well, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. go for it. So, all right, Theus. No, no, no chance. Yes. Really? No, no, I think it's Briante. At one. Let him finish. Okay. Go ahead, so, go ahead, go ahead. That's a good point. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you one mulligan now if you want to use it. All right, Briante. Damn, now that's got me all off kilter. Really? Bri- Briante. All right, so Travion's in the starting lineup for sure. Yeah, yeah. 100% Travion. And 100% Redick. 100% Redick. Uh, uh, the question marks. 100% Daniels. I don't know about that. I would say... I would say it's December. I don't know about I don't know about Brandenburg. I think so Brandenburg's the, either off the bench or starts. I don't know if it's the thirteen fourteen season. I'd say uh, DJ Haley Travion. No, I because at that point I think it was Jared Guest or or it could have even been Mo Ali Cox. Oh, it's junior year. This is this is our junior year. Oh, okay. thirteen fourteen. Sorry, yeah. second sophomore. I yeah. wish I was in school so I could like. I'm it. just gonna tell you Weber Graham and Bra- and Reddick are right. Those three are Weber absolutely Graham cool. Reddick. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right, underrated is it VCU the flo- player. Is Redick. it the Florida State guy? I think I think I think Melvin came off the bench. I would say Brandenburg started, and I w- I'll give it to Ollie Cox. Boom, let's go. Oh, 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 oh. 
So yeah, Weber started 39 minutes. Graham started 36 minutes. Reddick started 36 minutes. Brandenburg 29 minutes. Maybe only played 17 minutes, but he started that night. Um, off fouls? the what's that? Is he in foul trouble? No, 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 no fouls call. I just I guess it was a matchup thing. We played port. We had we probably played 16 small. turnovers that night. Um, four guys came off the bench. I I've, I heard one of their names already. So Jared Guest. Jared Guest played nine Melvin minutes. Melvin Johnson. Melvin Johnson played 31 minutes. Brandenburg. Uh, Brandenburg starting. Jaquan Lewis. Uh, Jaquan Lewis played 18 minutes. Jordan Burgess. Jordan Burgess played 10 minutes. So what no, a squad. You said Terrence Shannon. No, no Terrence Shannon that night. Uh, only other guys on the roster would have been like Jarius Lyles. Um, yeah, so. So we only played nine guys. So it, it really helps us that we were in school. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You guys can like think back to what year you were in school. Yeah. I, we, we that, that was a total I'm blur sorry, for Caleb. me, guys. You messed up last week. Now it's our chance to <laughs> we, pounce. We, we, had, <laughs> we had two – it's easy for us. We had two years, two years of Troy and Darius, so it's easy for, to shut it off. But uh, kind of a random game. It just – it was a – I almost missed it. And, I mean, I'm – dude, these were like old man's berries. I'm talking – I'm booking through the campus. So, so just a fun game to remember. Wow. So I, I remember – from that year, like I knew Travion Graham was a dog that year. Bronte Weber. I'm looking at the box score right now. He had five steals in that game. Yeah, six turnovers, five steals, though. What a beat. Oh, he had six turnovers. Or five turnovers. So, five yeah. turnovers, five <laughs> steals, six assists. Is that the year we beat Wichita State? And then uh, No, that was, my, that was my freshman year, 2011 12. Is this um, Stephen F. Yeah, this is a uh, game that oh. I. <laughs> so Jaquan. Yeah, we mentioned he was on the bench. Oh, on he the bench. bench. Yeah, this is the year we lost to. That was the year where we really had an unbelievable backcourt because it was Weber as your one. Lewis would come off the bench, and there's no difference there. Mm -hmm. And then at the two, you had Brandenburg and Melvin Johnson coming in. Yeah. So Melvin it was, was almost great. like the that second unit was, was better. Stacked. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we could use Were we a five seed that year? Yeah, we were, five, we were tied for second in the A-10, five seed. Uh. But Mel Melvin didn't play in the A-10 title or the – Yeah, he hurt his knee. He, the it was against GW in the semifinal game. Yeah. At like mid-court, he was diving for that ball. Yeah. Yep. You're listening to the Black and Gold Podcast with Adam Epstein, Caleb Jones, Chris Mason, and Connor Bailey. And now it's time for AWOD's Energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? All right, so for this energy segment here, I'm going to give a shout-out to Boogie Bailey because I was really down after that game. I had no energy. I was thinking, we just lost on the road to Temple, had a one-point uh, deficit at one point, ended up losing by, what, double digits, terrible performance on the defensive end, and then Boogie said, hold on a second. Let's not be so negative. Let's look at the positives. And he kind of convinced me that this team would be completely different by January. And with Connor, what Connor said, these next five games are so important. And I'm, my energy for this week is that I'm not giving up hope on this team. These next five games are huge. And then we've got a couple games over Christmas. And I do think we're going to be looking at a very different team come January. Maybe it's a team that hits 12 three-pointers a game. Maybe it's a team that's defensive efficiency is back in the top 15 or top 20. Or maybe it's a team that's just working on both sides of the ball, offense and defense throughout the game. But my energy is that I'm not giving up on this young team. I've There are a ton of bright spots. I get it. It was a bad loss to Temple. We've had a couple bad losses already this season. We wanted to take more advantage of the non-conference schedule, but I'm not giving up hope on this team, and I think by January we will see a different Ram roster. Yeah, I love that outlook. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the expectation here that, you know, we want to be an at-large tournament team, and when you don't win those key games in the out-of-conference – you feel like you're not going to be able to do that. But we don't have any bad losses on, on our resume. Temple might be, but I think they're actually going to do okay in the American Athletic Conference. 
if we can win these next five games, go in 10 and three in a conference play, I think we give ourselves a really good shot in, you know, what might be a little bit of a down A10 this year. Um, obviously, St. Louis is going to be good, so we need to capitalize on one of those. But I think we can be okay. I'm with you guys right now. Uh, you know, you mentioned the A10. St. Louis is the only team, in my opinion, so far in the A10 that's definitely looked better than BC. You could make an argument for Duquesne or Fordham or UMass, but I'm just, I but you, you know what I'm saying. St. Louis is St. Louis has looked the best. I mean, there's no fan base that would even say otherwise. But you're in a situation. You have five games. Take one game at a time. Take, take Jacksonville, for example. Uh, Dayton transfer Jordan Davis. We get to see him play again. You know, hey. Say they hit a few threes and hit them right back. Let's get a win. You get Howard Sunday night. But five games, take it one game at a time. Let's get better. That, I was just going to say real quick, that's the most important thing is these guys compartmentalize each game and take it for what it is and win games that you should win. Just keep it simple. I was real concerned about our resume right until Caleb said his bit, so I appreciate that. Calming me down. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to have to beat. We need it. We do. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, beat St. Louis at home. We put, It's home and home, right, this year, Connor? Yeah. Okay, so we need to at least beat them at home. Hope they're like top 25 because we need a signature win. But overall, yep, take I mean, one and, game at And time. you get to crack at some good teams on the road, too. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. St. Louis, like, obviously that's a tough win, but we mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. Win these games first now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I appreciate everybody listening to the show. We had a great time uh, going to Philly to watch VCU at Temple. You can follow us on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod. You can get in touch with us on Instagram as well. And we want people to reach out to us, to DM us, let us know your thoughts on the podcast. Uh, we want to give a couple shout outs. Like, I ran into a listener of our podcast, Patrick, for a split second at the game. He waved to me. That was awesome. Uh, Chris, you wanted to give a couple shout-outs as well, especially like the Philadelphia VCU alum chapter for putting the whole thing together. $10 tickets. That was awesome. Yeah, Tracy Katz, that Connor mentioned earlier. We also met the um, former alumni chapter of New York as well. We were sitting near her the second half. Yeah, yeah, she she does a lot of good work and and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, Michelle Turner. Yeah, yeah, she was she was awesome, dude. Her her husband was real passionate too. I remember he was he's from Wales and he he was like talking about how like Philly Philly sport fans are worse than like the, the uh, Great Britain soccer fans. It's kind of cra- it's kind of <laughs> yeah. cracking me up. But and he uh, was uh we ran into a random guy outside Joe's cheesesteaks oh, as yeah. well. Shout out to random VCU alum from what was it twenty ten? Yeah, he was he was like he was he was your your age. Kid. Yeah, hey, you know what? Yeah. He had some swag too. All right, yeah. so VCU it sounds like the era. Right, VCU. I feel alum, like I feel like he had a place. good time. I feel like he had a good time on campus. The way he was like, it, it's got a special place in my heart. I feel oh, like, oh yeah, <laughs> I feel like he had a good time in school. <laughs> yep. And so you can always get in touch with us on social media, and we want to encourage listeners to DM us, and interact with us on Twitter. If you got a hot take, shoot it off here and at Black and Gold Fan Pod, and we'll respond. And you can also send us voicemails, including this latest one from our friend Gabrielle. Hey guys, longtime friend, longtime listener, even before the podcast began. Um, this is Gab here reporting live from Philadelphia. Let me tell you, these Temple fans, they slacking. They ain't nothing compared to the VCU six-man squad because it's loud in here and there's like five Temple fans here. So like, I don't know what them they doing down here on Broad Street, but they ain't showing up. And there ain't even a football game, so I don't know what they're going on. I totally agree with her, man. I was like, I could, I was shocked by the little amount of fans in the building. And, and my dad was there, and he was like, "No, no, no, don't worry. You know, it'll fill up like a couple minutes into the game. It didn't. Halftime, still empty. 
Yeah, it looked like how a normal like NBA game, how it is like an hour and a half before tip off the whole time. We'll put a, <laughs> we'll put a video on social media so you know we're not just hating on Temple. But bottom line is, man, just keep following us on all the platforms we just mentioned. And quite frankly, let's get let's get a couple wins this week. Absolutely, we're having a great time doing these podcasts. We're all huge VCU fans. We want to stick to the positives, but sometimes you got to call players out when they keep missing shots. You got to call them out when they dribble it off their knee. That's the way it works. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. This was episode six. We'll see you next week.